you think, doesn't it? Woo, okay. Uh, let me just uh, pray for a second. I'm, I'm, I'm really moved by that. It's interesting how you think you're going to 
You think you're prepared for something, and then when you're open, God moves you another way. So let me just center. Heavenly God, my heart is so open. Whew. Thank you for preparing me for this week. Thank you for every way you speak to me. Move human out of the way and let spirit come forth for this message. And thank you for the way you always prepare us to hear it with the beautiful music that comes forth. That is a blessing. And you know I don't take it lightly, God. You know how much I like to be moved by your word in every way. Amen. Thank you, God. Okay. So last week, we delve into um, zeal and enthusiasm. And the affirmation that we use for the month of October, which does represent zeal and, and, and enthusiasm, is I enthusiastically accept my good and go forward in my purpose. We dove into that pretty deeply. We talked about how Simon represents zeal. We talked about how Simon Peter opens us up to zeal because Simon Peter, Simon actually represents receptivity. And when Simon, before Simon became Peter, Simon was very receptive to the truth, to the word of Jesus. Actually, it was the word of God that came forth through Jesus. And when spirit speaks, it activates and it wakes up spirit within others. And so that's what Simon was very receptive to. And so we mentioned that when Jesus asked the question, who do they say I am? The disciples said, you know, people think that you're uh, reincarnation of John the Baptist, um, or another prophet, or Elijah even. And so Jesus, when he went deeper, he said, well, who do you think I am? In that moment, Simon Peter had moved into a, re a deep receptive expression of truth and said, thou art the Christ. And Jesus said, on this rock, my church will be built. And he changed Simon's name to faith because when you're receptive to truth, to the point it becomes, it becomes you, not from what other people are telling you. The Bible says test the spirit by the spirit. Simon was testing the spirit and hearing it through his own internal expression, and it was waking him up to the point where he could see things beyond what was in the physical realm. So he saw that Jesus was the Christ, but it's more than that. He saw that he was the Christ as well, and his name became Peter, which represents faith. Faith is the rock that we stand on. When we move past what's in the physical realm, it's the first step of stepping into the spiritual expression and living with God. And that is why Peter was the first disciple called, because you have to have that to move into experiencing living with God. And then we talked about how Simon, the zealot, the Canaanite, represents 
being receptive to zeal, the urge to move forward through enthusiastically from God, that move that's inside of you. When you're receptive and you're hearing and you're being and you're expressing and you're speaking God, you're truly living God, you feel God moving you, and that's the enthusiasm and that's the zeal inside of you that moves you. I enthusiastically accept my good. So Simon is being receptive, but it's being receptive to Canaan, which is the zeal, that which is inside, that which is underneath, that is pushing you forward. And you go forward in your purpose, to achieve your purpose. But what if you don't know, or what if you're not aware of what your purpose is? And what if you're moving in your purpose, and you're walking in your purpose, but just start the enthusiasm starting to fade, and you need to infuse some passion there. Today, I want to discuss the theme, finding your purpose through passion. And this is really, this is really important. Because whatever we praise in our consciousness, we talked about this last week, whatever you praise, you create, law of attraction. The Bible says you give, you sow, what you give, you shall receive, right? You reap, you sow, I mean, you sow, you reap, right? Don't you know your thoughts are sowing into the consciousness of the universe? Don't you know your words are sowing into the consciousness of the universe? And whatever you say through passion brings it forth. Now, last week we talked about, we went through the, the uh, scripture that was Jeremiah verse 29, I mean chapter 29, verse 11. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, hope is there. It's also in the Bible. Faith is, is the substance of things hoped for, right? And the evidence of things unseen. The substance of things hoped for. When you move into faith, you speak those things in, into fruition. There's a scripture that, that says to speak those things that be not as though they were, right? When you speak those things that be not as though they were, you're becoming passionate about it. You're becoming passionate about it. You're living it in your mind. You're using your power of imagination. You're infusing it with power. And it excites you and ignites you. It's like you plug yourself in and you become the energizer bunny and you become the energy of it. And you walk in it. You flow it. You trust it. True enthusiasm, true faith, True passion is when you walk in it and trust it, and no one has to wonder where your mind is, ever. But you may have those moments where you don't know what God's plan is. What's God's plan for me? Seriously, like, what is it? Like when you're younger, you, especially when you're younger, you have no idea what's God's plan for me. And the truth is you don't really have too much experience to compare it to. And the life that you've lived when you're younger is the life that your parents have taught you to live. So your mind is coming from the thoughts of your parents. The ideas and thoughts that your parents have and that we've taken on and we've adopted. 
We haven't had enough life or experience to really look back and say, ooh, this is what I love to do, this is what I like. We don't even know ourselves yet. But you know what? When you open up into the next scripture, the sec- when we go into the second part of this scripture, which is verse 12 to 13, it says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. The one thing that you can listen to and trust and stand on with all of your might that your parents, I'm sure, may have taught you is that you can come to God. When I was little, I used to have the worst dreams, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, anxiety attacks. I had the most vivid imagination, especially when I learned the earth rotated and I'm like, gravity's holding us. What if gravity stops? We're going to all fly off into the, and hit the clouds. I just kept imagining us fling, 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 flying off the, of the earth. Off the, I mean, can you imagine? As a child, though, it's real. It's scary. It's real. I used to think, what if I die and there's no God? And my father would tell me over and over and over again, even in those moments, God is so powerful that that little fear will not affect God because God knows you. And when you keep having a relationship and asking God, God will answer you, baby. God will answer you. That's the one truth you can always stand on. That God will always answer. And the other one that you can always stand on is the only one who knows you, who knows what you're here to do, who has the most powerful plan for you in your life, is God. Right in Scripture, I know the plans I have for you. And not only do I know the plans I have for you, they are for good. You know, God is absolute good, right? I believe God is absolute good, absolutely. And the other part is God is good, absolutely, but you are one with God, so that makes you God good, absolutely, as, right, as well, right? I am good, absolutely. Together, I am good, absolutely. Let, let's qualify that even more. I am absolute good, absolutely. Together, I am absolute good, absolutely. Now, when we look at that, when we truly look at that, And we say, okay, how do I step into knowing what God's plans are for me then? I mean, seriously. I'm having this relationship with God. How do I have this relationship with God? How do I seek God wholeheartedly? To seek God wholeheartedly means to seek God with passion. And it's not just that fleeting passion. Because when you think of enthusiasm, like the affirmation that we studied, and, we wa- and we're going to say it again together, that I enthusiastically accept my good and move forward to achieve my purpose. Enthusiasm, Charles Fillmore said, is that part of you that has a living interest, an extreme, a severe living interest. A living interest? What does that mean? I thought about that and I pondered on it. And God showed me in this moment, thank you, God. The Bible said that 
God made man in God's image and likeness. Bible, the Bible says that God took the dust of the earth and created Adam. But in when the moment that Adam was created, Adam was just dust, earth. It wasn't until God breathed into it and gave it life that man began to walk. A living interest is having an interest in the life within you, the Christ within you, the God that is breathed within you, that moves and breathes and has his being in you. That's what living interest is, is being interested in who you are, but not on the consciousness of your personality. There's a whole lot more to us than just our personality. It's learning who you are as a spiritual being. It's learning what your powers are spiritually. That's why Charles Merle Fillmore connected the, the 12 powers so that we can know more fully how we can use our spiritual essence. Because we are spiritual beings, right? Having what? A human experience. But it's more than that. We are human beings in a spiritual world. Because all this that we see and touch, that's just a physical manifestation. There's more than this. There's spirit past this. There's spirit making this move. I am co-creating and co-manifesting. I'm thinking, move your fingers, and God is moving my fingers. I'm not doing this. The physical body is not doing this. The Christ in me, the spirit in me is doing it. How do I know? And I'm consciously aware of it as well. Because even when you are brain dead in your body and you're still moving, your heart's still moving, your heart's still moving. There's a consciousness in you that's still there. There have been too many experiences of near-death experiences. Near-death experiences where people have left their body, and they're still conscious. And they're creating then, too. In the world with God, they're creating, they're experiencing. It's the spirit inside that's creating. So how do we open ourselves up? And get rid of this part, this physical part. Well, Jesus gives us the answer to that. In Matthew 6, verse 31 to 33, it says, So don't worry about what, read it with me. So worry about these things, saying, What will I we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Let's say that putting in the I instead of we. What will I eat? What will I drink? And what will I wear? You ever had those thoughts? What am I going to drink? What am I going to eat? You ever have moments where your bank account might be showing, woo, seriously, what am I going to eat today? Or you open up your purse and you, or your wallet and you think you had something there. It's like, ooh, there's nothing here. It says what? Let's go to the next. Um, These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but who? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So now, when your mind is caught up in, what am I going to do? What am I going to eat? Because it's more than that. What am I going to eat? What am I? Those are thoughts. The unbeliever is the one who's caught up in the physical realm of what's going on and has a belief that that's the truth. And believes it to the point that they dwell on it and get worried and anxious about it. 
And not only you get anxious about it, you get stuck in it. There's a depression that can well up. Depression wells up from thoughts going, oh, you ever had a broken record? Those of us who had know about vinyl. <laughs> Y'all little ones probably don't know about vinyl. But do you know about vinyl? You do? Do you know about, you do too? What is vinyl? Oh my gosh, they do know. All righty, that's cool. So, so you know, back in the day, there were times when, well, I guess a CD could get scratched too, but there are times when a record would be scratched and it would get stuck. So it'll be, it'll get stuck and repeat itself over and over and over again. And sometimes, and you had to go pick up the needle and move it to the next spot. Or sometimes you could put a little alcohol on there, right? And make it work. Those home remedies, put some alcohol on it. My mom used to say, put alcohol on everything. That alcohol, either we put alcohol on everything, or go get some Benadryl for it, or some Robitussin. Anybody ever take Robitussin? Put some alcohol on it. But mom, it's a bump on my head, it'll work. Anyway, my point is, when you have a broken record, you repeat it over and over and over. Did you know that depression is a repeating of anxious thoughts, worrying over and over again, and you get stuck in that routine, and it slows you down because you're stuck, and you keep going, and you, you never go forward. You keep going over and over again, over and over again, in your mind, over and over again, and the grooves get stuck there. Because every time you think, it makes a neural pathway in your brain. And if you think it over and over and over again, you get stuck there. So some of the ways of, of healing or working through depression is doing things differently. How many, gets, how many of you get up on the same side of the bed over and over? The same routine, you get up, you roll over, you get out. How many of you put on your pants one leg at a time? What if we put them on two legs at a time like the firemen? Have them ready. Wouldn't that be awesome? Have your pants there and hop in them. How many of you put on your shoe, maybe the left foot first and then the right foot? There's a routine we do every single day. You get up, you have your coffee, you go do this. There's a routine we do every single day. The key to depression is to change it up. Think differently. The key to moving in the presence of God is to change it up. The key to infusing passion in your life is to change it up. Isn't that what you do in a relationship? We got some married folk in here. Raise your hand if you're some married folk in here. Do you change it up? Yes? <laughs> Are you in depression going backwards and forward in your marriage? You, you, you change it up, right? Oh, okay. I didn't hear a yes, so yeah, okay. I like, I like verbal. Nodding is a, uh, I, I think. That makes me a little, conf little confused. But if you have that passion, that's what makes it go forward. My mother said, when she was alive and she and my father, they were married for 38 years before she passed away. She said, Kelly, there are times in your marriage where you may not be in love. You may not feel that in love feeling, but you know you love each other. She said, but then there's those moments where you go through things or you just look across the table at the, at the at, she said, I look across my ta the table at your father and I think, ooh, I'm in love with him. Or he might put on a new outfit or whatever, and she sees how dapper he looks. And one time she's like, ooh, I see your daddy in a tuxedo. He put his tuxedo on. She's like, I'll call you back. I was like, that TMI, TMI. Oh, I don't want to hear that. TMI. I'm still hearing it. I don't want to hear it. But anyway, the point is, is that when you're moving in God, you have to shake it up. 
So if you already have a relationship with God, it's time to go deeper. If you haven't created one yet, it's time to start. So the first, the first way of doing it is to remove all those doubts and worries. Know that you, God has a plan. It's always taken care of. Always. That's the first, that's the first one. And to know that whatever's going on, whatever you feel that you need, move to the next thing, which is verse 33. Read that with me. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Let's stop. The kingdom of God is not out there. That's why Jesus said, who do they think I am? So he can give us an idea of how we think. We always think to what's going on outside in this world. What are other people thinking about us? How do other people feel about us, especially when we're younger? Peer pressure can be, woo. What do I, what, what, what's going on in my, what's, what are they thinking? What is going on? How am I going to do this? You're looking outside, looking outside, looking outside. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. The kingdom of God is where? Right, ooh, say it louder. The kingdom of God is where? Inside. Do you know that? One person knows it? Okay, what did they say? It's us two when they were singing the song? It's us two. I thought it was the me, but it's the two. The kingdom of heaven is inside all of us. We know this, right? Yes, thank you. And you know the biggest piece? When God is with you, you have the majority. You have the majority. And the, only way, and, the, and the only thing you have to do to step in that majority is to consciously shift from what's going on. How do we do that? Okay, it seems like this is what's going on. It seems like, okay, so I'm really upset because such and such is mad at me. Like, say if my fiancé Howard gets upset at me. I had the disease to please. That used to crush me when I was younger. I would be devastated that somebody was upset at me. And it made me feel so, like, bad, like I messed up. Somebody's just mad at me or upset at me what to do. But for me, it was the end of the world. It was the end of the world. When I grew up, there were times when my daddy would get mad at my mom. He'd rush out and slam the door and screech out of the driveway. And my heart would think he would, wasn't coming back. So I never wanted to make people mad at me because I didn't want anybody to leave me. And if they got mad, I would do everything I can to bend over back. If I could twist myself in a pretzel and hop around on my butt, I would do that to make someone happy. But that was looking out. What do they, who do they say I am? Who do they say I am? Instead of focusing on what I knew, God says I am. God says you are perfect. God, when, G when God said, this is my son in whom I'm greatly pleased to Jesus, he was saying it to us too. This is my daughter in whom I'm pl greatly pleased. This is my son in whom I'm greatly pleased. And every single thing we do is still a blessing. God is still in the presence of it. And the beautiful part is even when we mess up, God still loves us. And we're learning to love ourselves in that. I had to let that go. I had to start affirming myself. Okay, he's mad at me. That's okay. He has a right to be mad at me. I do not negate the fact of what another person's feelings are, but also affirm who I am. I don't have to let that upset me. Who do they say I am? Who does God say I am? Give me some ideas. Who does God say you are? Perfect child. What would you say? Holy, righteous, and redeemed. I love it. Do you guys believe you're holy, righteous, and redeemed? So then everywhere you step, 
Do you intentionally know that's holy ground? Do you know you're holy? Only one more yet. Sister girl, we're going to do this together. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. I love And when we know that kind of a thing, when we walk that way, we're not just seeking the kingdom of heaven. What does the next sentence say? A next part of the sentence say? It says, and live righteously. Righteous, righteously means living according to the truth, the divine ideas of God. And then what else does it say? And he will give you everything you need. Everything you need. So now when you get excited about that and you start walking in your passion, when you start having that deep relationship with God and learning who you are, when I started really learning who I was in God and, like, and start learning the things that I really like to do, which is not, like I told you guys, I was always counseling and tutoring people. My mom was always saying, get off the phone and do your homework. I did. I used to help them so much, I'd forget to do my homework. And then I'd be up late doing my homework, but I felt so good inside that I help people. If you can help one person, do you know that when you can, have you ever helped someone and felt really good about it? Any hands? Even the young ones. Doesn't it feel good to offer something to somebody, even a smile? Do you notice when you smile at people, they smile back? It's because it's the Christ in you greeting them and saying namaste. Do you know that when you smile, you activate healing activities in your, your face alone, and, it and the activities are in, 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 uh, activated in your body? Did you know that? Did you know that every time you pray, you raise your brain waves? There was this um, study done where this, these people were praying for uh, people in the hospital, and they hooked them up to these brain wave things, uh, the people who were praying, and they hooked the patients up too. And as they rose in their frequency of praying and becoming passionate and passionate. See, the purpose is to be the presence of God. When you be the presence of God, you, you, you affect everybody positively. That's your purpose, to be the presence of God. And as you're being the presence of God, what happened was the patients started to feel better. It activated the patients. Fusing energy of love and God. This guy did this, uh, it's called healing, the... Healing Waters, have you, um, what is his name? Moto, thank you, who said that? Yes, you know what it is, right? Yes, healing messages, thank you. Do you know your, and what was his, what was his message? That, do you remember it? Oh, sure, the energy that you, the love, if you put love on the water, it has beautiful crystals, and if you put hate on the water, it has broken crystals, and your energy changes what it looks like under a microscope. And the energy that changes that looks like that under a microscope, that's the brain waves in you. That's the, the, the water chemicals in us. We are more than 85% water. And when you're working on a higher vibration of Christ consciousness, your thoughts are on a high vibration of Christ consciousness. So if they take the blood from you and separate the water and you've been prayed over, you'll see water crystals there. Pretty water crystals. And if you're saying, if you're worrying and upset and going through all those things that are of the dominant mind of the unbeliever and your passion is fusing all of those things that are dominantly in the unbelieving, when they take the blood and they separate the water, there's dark crystals there. That kind of stuff causes diseases. 
disease and cancer. Don't you want to walk divine, healthy, and whole and complete? Yes? Everybody, yes? yes? Thank you. You know what? When you have a resonating yes, everybody. It says, if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. That's your thoughts. When you rise your thought up into the consciousness of Christ, you draw all of the thoughts inside of you up as well. And you end up walking in God. And when you walk in God, God guides you to what your purpose is, especially when you walk in God passionately. When you walk in God passionately, your words awake your spirit. And when your words awake your spirit, your words awake the truth inside of you. And when the words wake up the truth inside of you and you start being that expression of God, you feel satisfied because you're expressing who you truly are. When you express who you truly are, there's nothing left that's unexpressed. There's nothing worse than dying and you've never expressed yourself. Learn who we are. Move into a deeper expression of God. I sit with God every morning. I talk with God every day. I was talking with God up there. I was talking with God. You're going to give him this song. Now I'm going to get up there and boo-hoo. Can you please stop me from crying? I don't want to stand in front of him. Okay, I'm just going to cry. Here come the waterworks. Okay, well, let me just sit here and pray. And okay, now I'm praying. All right, God. I'm in the background talking to God while I'm talking to you guys. And I'm like, okay, let me just sit still and pray. That's my life. When I'm not with my family or my fiancé or, or people and I'm driving in the car, I'm talking to God. When I leave from preaching and speaking, I'm talking to God. What did, did I miss something? You know what, God? I was so excited. When I ha- and I'm, I'm lit up when I'm speaking. And it's like I'm so high. I'm like, God, okay, don't let me crash too hard. And then sharing God with other people wakes you up because the Christ in you touches the Christ in other people. Communication is giving and receiving. You give, there's a listener there that, that receives it. But it's also your way of being. It's walking and being the Christ. And as you be the Christ, the Christ and others receive it. It's a communication. We are here to be the expression of heaven on earth. It starts within you. Who do they say you are? Shift it to who do I say I am. And when you move past who do I say I am to who does God say I am. And when you move to, from that, you learn deeper and then you move into what is God's plan for me. And you know that it's just to be, just to be the expression of love. How many of you like to be the expression of love? How many of you know people who like to express, be the expression of complaining and worry and concern? And How many of you feel good around those who like to express love? How many of you go widely around those who don't and complain? <laughs> oh, my God, I see a duck. <laughs> no, seriously, because you can feel it, right? You get a call. I'm so glad to have caller ID. Because I've had moments when I didn't have it, and I'll pick up the phone, hey, oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, didn't you say that last week? Uh-huh. Well, did you do that? Uh-huh. Okay, well, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then you get off the phone, and you're like, oh, God, I need a nap. Because you feel like you've worked. But when you're in God, though, now when I see it, I have a choice. If I'm busy and I'm not in a space to prepare myself, I'll call the person back later. But if I've been charged up every day, plug in, relationship with God, 
first thing when you wake up. Thank you, God, for my first. How many of you thank God for opening your eyes in the morning? First thing before you leave, before you get up, you, my daddy used to say to me, I was like, what are you wearing? He's like, you didn't wake up for me. I didn't open my eyes next to you. I opened my eyes next to your mama. It's like, it doesn't matter what you think. Did I open my eyes next to you? He always does that. I'm like, what is the point of opening your eyes? I guess he's being emphatic. He's being enthusiastic about it, opening his eyes. But the point is, even before you open your eyes to say hi to your physical spouse or to whoever else, open your heart while you're still in close, where your mind is still closed, your eyes are still closed, because that's where you meet God. Open your heart and praise God. Ask God, set my day. In that moment, God's plans for you open up. All you got to do is ask for them. God said, ask for him wholeheartedly, passionately. I enthusiastically accept my good. Can you go to that affirmation for me, Dwayne? The first slide. Thank you. Together, I enthusiastically accept my good and go forward to achieve my purpose. Now, did you guys sound enthusiastic? <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, Ugh. okay, pump me up. Together, I enthusiastically accept my good and go forward to achieve my purpose. Yes, can you imagine how you feel when you're doing that, like throughout the day? People like always, why are you so happy? I, my dad's always happy. He's a, he, he said, I choose to. And you know what? I've accepted that too. I choose to be happy. Now, do you choose to stay in the unbelieving state of wondering and worrying and concern and anxiety and depression and worry and anxiety and depression? Do you know that every thought has a weight to it? And every physical thought has a physical weight to it? And it weighs you down. How about we lighten ourselves up? How about we find our purpose in our passion? How about we see the purpose that is being the expression of God? Even when we know what our purpose is, what we're already here to do, we know we feel good at it. How about we infuse even more of God in it and enthusiastically accept the good in the situation? Always, no matter what it looks like, I promise you God is there. That's why the first unity um, principle is God is everywhere. The only power active in our lives and in the universe. And you're one with it. So instead of I accept, I enthusiastically accept my good, I want us to say I enthusiastically be my good. And then I promise we'll be ending this. We're going to say it three times, okay? I enthusiastically be my good and go forward to achieve my purpose. One more time. I enthusiastically be my good and go forward to achieve my purpose. And the third time, I enthusiastically be my good and go forward to achieve my purpose. We say it three times because spirit speaks to the soul when we say it, and then the soul receives it and speaks to the body, and then the body takes it and charges forward to receive your purpose. Receive your good and do your purpose. Yes? Yes. Yes? Yes. 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 Amen. So it is. Thank you.
Love